This is the PropTech VC Podcast. We give you unique insights into how innovative technologies are disrupting real estate. We interview top entrepreneurs, investors, and knowledgeable experts to share the inside scoop in this fast-moving industry. It's hosted by leading PropTech VC, Zane Jaffer. Let's dive into today's content. Yeah, you can see if it's close to a road or if it's close to a, another iconic landmark. In, in, in the other case, we talked about Snoop Dogg's mansion. However, nothing beats visiting in person. And when you buy real estate, there's a lot of uh, people that buy real estate remotely. And I was one of those people. I was in a rush to deploy my money and I started buying buildings and apartments. And, you know, uh, often because of the pandemic, I couldn't visit. So highly encourage you to visit and it doesn't take very long. You can just go to Decentraland and you can click and you're there. But when you go there, I have to say, I was quite dismayed. I know you've spent a lot of time in platforms like Decentraland, but I, I walked around and I saw these avatars and they weren't moving many of them. Um, and they're wandering around and then you go to places and you're like, this looks very pixelated. My, my avatar is now stuck because of the physics, right? Inside of a building, you're going up and down and you're stuck inside this building. And then yeah. you go there and you're like, wait, I, I now have to click on this image. And then I click on this image and I have to open a link in my web browser it feels very nascent. Is this what the platform is or is it going to develop? And what, what advice do you have for those who go in and, and sort of don't get it? Because at the beginning, I didn't get it either. I was like, how are people buying this? There's just, it's just a bunch of potentially maybe kids walking around and they're, they're, there's no real utility yet, I felt like. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a fair point. I think the, like, the way that platforms think about UI and accessibility is also key for me. Navigating around Decentraland with my computer was harder than other <laughs> platforms, right? Like figuring out, okay, when do I have to use my mouse? When do I have to use my keyboards? This is like an actual problem. Like you need to like, you need things to be as simple as possible. I think if you look at my live stream, so like navigating the gather platform, for example, super easy, very intuitive, even like designing my avatar, lots of options. Like I was very happy. Navigating around the Decentraland and even finding the right world to jump to was actually quite hard. Uh, and so, you know, it's like, I think we're still in such early innings. It's the crazy part, right? Like they're just starting to raise hundreds of million in funding to like actually go and develop these platforms. You look at the funding of Roblox, for example, right? Like they've been around for 10 years developing this. There's So there's still a lot of work that needs to be done in that sense, but this comes back to the gaming piece. Within Decentraland right now, the worlds are not gaming focused. So like when I walked around Decentraland, I was there by myself. I was walking around and there were definitely some really cool properties that I was exploring, but like you need the social aspect. You need other people to be there to really make that, to have that magical moment, or you need to have some type of events or experiences or games that keep people engaged. So like when I went to Spatial, which is another metaverse platform, not um, you don't buy land per se, but like they have a combination of virtual reality. So people walking around in the spaces that have headsets and people that are just coming in from online. But Spatial's head of community actually took me for a tour. The experience was like amazing, right? It's because like I had that social interaction. I was having fun. It was like, even though I was alone in my apartment, he was alone in his apartment, we were doing it together and it made it a much more fun experience. Uh, but companies really need to think about like how they create those magic moments for their users. And oftentimes it's through those two things, which I keep coming back to. It's the sh it's social, it's like social elements or it's gaming. Like you need to have one or, one or the other. 
And that, that sense of community where this is way more uh, superior than having a Zoom meeting or texting on WhatsApp, this is another method of interacting with a human being. Uh, one, one thing I appreciate about your view on the future of the metaverse is that it needs to be interoperable, where it's not just access through a web browser or a mobile phone or a VR headset. By the way, I get very dizzy when I try to, you know, play with my quest to and navigate, you know, different VR experiences. Uh, there's a long way to go, but it's that interoperability. And that, that, to me, that doesn't just mean the device that you access it with. It means the ability for you to go from one metaverse to another. What's your thoughts on that notion of tra traversing from one metaverse to another metaverse? And what role do NFTs play in that as well? Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of Genie's whole business model. Genie's is one of our portfolio companies at Lair Hippo, and they're... I would, I would argue the top sort of avatar company in the metaverse. Uh, and they have great partnerships with like huge music labels. Like they've worked with Justin Bieber and, and a ton of other people where, um, you know, the, the idea or the thinking around that is if you are Justin Bieber and you are going to eventually play concerts at a bunch of different metaverses, you want people to recognize who you are and that this is this is the real Justin Bieber. Like when I was run, running around Paris, Paris World and Roblox, Paris Hilton has an avatar and she's sometimes in the game. But when she's in, actually, when she's in Paris World, there are a bunch of people that just change their name to Paris and run around pretending they're Paris Hilton. <laughs> and so like, that's a real issue. Like I had a friend that sent me, when you take a selfie in the metaverse, you basically take a screenshot of your avatar next to someone else's. And I had a friend that was with me in Paris World and he sent me a screenshot. He's like, oh my God, I found Paris. I'm like, that's not Paris. Like, that is not Paris. What are you talking about? Uh, and he was like, oh my God, like there's a poser. I'm like, yes, there's always posers. You have, like she has a little star above her head and whatever. Like, like this is what I think like companies like Genie's where this interoperable nature becomes so important, right? It's like, I know what Justin Bieber's Genie's avatar looks like. And then Genie's can think about how they integrate accessories, NFTs into that, because the hope is that you can use your Genie's avatar across all of these metaverses, right? Uh, and so they're, that's kind of the big vision. It's like this interoperable open metaverse concept. And the same is true for like NFTs themselves. I think you look at a company like Jadu, for example, which I also mentioned in my article, they partnered with NFT projects like MeBits so that those MeBits can have hoverboards to transfer between worlds, right? It's like, and they're building their own metaverse. It's like, there's so many analogs between like in-person and digital reality, right? Like I never really thought about transportation in the metaverse, like how you get between worlds, but hoverboards make sense, right? It's like, it's like, that's a, I think like the way that companies are thinking about that is very clever, but uh, yeah, the, I mean, the whole hope is with these, this, you know, with genies in particular, but a lot of these like companies that are building for an open metaverse, it's eliminating confusion for the end user and helping to create some sort of standardization so it saves people time as well. You know, the analogy that comes to mind is, I don't like the, uh, uh, the mobile app experience of ordering uh, groceries. It's quite cumbersome, I can't find what I want. I know my local store very well, I know exactly where to go, which aisle to go. And I've literally gone to the store and I've seen people on FaceTime showing their, their friend, like, okay, where shall I go, left or right, you know? Okay, is this the one you want? Let's take a picture of this. Is, is this the gluten-free bagel you were talking about? Walmart yeah. released an amazing sort of prototype of how a shopping experience would be in the metaverse and I think the beauty of it is that it somewhat mimics our our awareness of the spatial environment and location and being able to go through aisle by aisle and, and take your item and put it in a cart and order it. So I'll challenge you on that. I think when you think of grocery shopping, I don't think a lot of people think, huh, like 
I would love to grocery shop in the metaverse and spend just like I spend 30 minutes in the grocery store finding all the things that I want, spend 30 minutes online in a really fun way to find my groceries. I haven't been to a grocery store in probably like three months, which is probably says a lot about just who I am as a consumer. I order everything through Joker. Like it's delivered to me in 15 minutes. I type in my stuff. I get it. Like it's actually frustrating for me to go to the grocery store now because I'm so used to this user experience. I don't, I wouldn't want to go grocery shopping in the metaverse because that's time consuming. I hate spending time looking for things in the store in real life. Why would I want to do that in the metaverse? Like just because you can, doesn't mean you should when it comes to the metaverse, right? Like I think you need to think of it in the context of how you are adding to people's lives in a beneficial way. For me, grocery shopping is a chore. I do not enjoy grocery shopping. Some people might, but I think the reason a lot of these like 15 minute grocery delivery players are doing so well is because they're saving people so much time and changing their behaviors along the way. So when it comes to grocery shopping in the metaverse, at least for me, like that is not a value prop that I would get behind. Uh, just like as a person, like my stance as a consumer, I would never go grocery shopping in the metaverse unless there was a really unique reward at the end, right? Like some type of access, you get an NFT, which gives you access to like some coupon, like you have to be thinking about it creatively in that way, but I would never just spend 30 minutes grocery shopping online because it's fun. You know, I get really passionate about these things. There is so like, much to unpack here, yeah. right? I don't even know where to take this, but I'll, I'll, I, I mean, let me challenge you back for a second, right? Are you the voice of Gen Z? I'm not someone who likes going to the store either, okay? But you've got a lot of uh, people who are not Gen Z or who are not as technology enthusiastic as you are, and they need a way to appreciate how to navigate the metaverse. And they're not the types of people that are going to, you know, they're not the folks you find on Discord or Signal or these other emerging platforms. They appreciate an easy analogy and they appreciate simplicity. Um, do you think that the metaverse is really the exclusive uh, like domain of the next generation and that the older folks are gonna be stubborn and they're gonna you know, resist it and it'll be a generational change before everyone's suddenly living, working and playing in the metaverse? Or do you think we should try to make the metaverse something for everyone? And sometimes when you do that, then it stands for nothing for nobody, you know? a little bit of a little bit for a little bit of everyone rather than having a really clear audience. I think it has to start with Gen Z. Look at the success of TikTok. 60% of their users are Gen Z, but now the app is not just Gen Z. But who I... drove the success and adoption of Gen of TikTok in the early days? We did. When you think about the metaverse, <laughs> Roblox, like the names that you think of as like the biggest successful metaverse companies, Roblox Fortnite, Minecraft, Roblox, average age, nine to 12, Minecraft, average age, 24, Fortnite, average age, 18 to 24. That is all Gen Z. Hundreds of millions of Gen Zers, young people driving adoption to these metaverse, which is bringing the brands, which is creating excitement, bringing other demographics into that ecosystem. It has to start with the next generation. It just has to. I mean, when you think of like the way that these platforms have developed so far, right, that has been the playbook doesn't mean that like this is how it's going to be forever. In a few years, it's going to be Gen Alpha. And how are you thinking about building building this adoption in classrooms, for example? How are you integrating this in schools? Um, hopefully COVID ends at some point, right? But like this has been a huge problem for, for a lot of in-person institutions figuring out like how to navigate this new world. But the reality is like our generation has lived online digitally our entire life. So it's just, it's easy. It's easy to like, to, to navigate and be brought into these ecosystems. Uh, it's, it's not like, again, I've been playing Webkins and Club Penguin since I was eight years old. Like I grew up doing this. And so it's not anything, it's not something new to me. 
Uh, and this is also just like how we interact and how we engage with one another, it's digitally. And so I do think you like, and this is again, I think why my article did so well is like, I really approached it from the perspective of someone who is Gen Z and highlighting Gen Z adoption, because you can't have the metaverse without Gen Z, at least today as things stand. Uh, so this this might be a hot take, but um, you know, they like, I certainly am speaking, like I am the voice of my generation in a lot of ways, especially in the venture and tech world, but like you can look at the data, you know, it, it speaks for itself. You know, I, I love the strong opinion. Um, I, I, if, I, if, I, if I'm I anything in this world, I am someone who has strong opinions about a lot of things. Um, I can't, no, I can't, I, I can't disagree with you because I think if you try to make the platform uh, offer utility to every single person, uh, it's not going to offer anything at all. That's why there's so many people in Roblox. It's very clear what the audience is and how that works. I do give a criticism to the current major platforms like Decentraland, especially, and others that are trying to be a little bit more all-purpose. It's 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 not quite there yet. There was no single use case I felt like this is amazing and this is what it's good for. Right now, I feel like a lot of speculators are coming in buying land to flip it. Brands are coming because they're trying to figure out where are Gen Z and where, where are the future people going to be. But it's still very nascent. It's still evolving. You know, that's the feeling I had. The last question I want to ask you, uh, we're both venture capitalists. We're both looking to invest in the ecosystem. The metaverse is only one part of what I call, I don't know whether you agree, but you know, I would say Web3 is one paradigm shift. Real estate is going to be massively impacted by that. We're trying to understand though, is real estate going to be impacted by the metaverse? Jury's out there. I'm still trying to build that thesis myself, but I do know Web3 and the blockchain is going to revolutionize every aspect of real estate. What major trends are you seeing as a venture capitalist in either the metaverse or Web3 um, that you think is going to be really critical over the next few years? Totally. I think everyone's been talking about the creator economy for a very long time. It's a, in an area that I spend a lot of time in. I sit on our creator economy boards, uh, the, the companies that we work with here at LH. And, you know, I'm a creator myself, right? Everyone wants to be a creator in, in the future. Like people are desperately trying to gain platforms on, t like gain presence on TikTok where it's been easier. It's never been easier to create or find your audience because of the way they've engineered the app. But, you know, when you think about the creator economy, so much about it is like, how can you build wealth, right? Like, how can you help yourself build wealth? It overlaps so much with Web3 because Web3 is all about empowered ownership, right? And so when you think about the future of the creator economy, it's intimately intertwined with Web3. Very excited and constantly looking for interesting sort of innovation on that front. And I think on the flip side too, again, when you think about the next generation, the generation that's coming up and how people engage online, the next generation of consumers are going to be gamers. They're going to be one and the same. You might not consider yourself a native gamer, like I never really did, but I am, I have been. Like I was, I was like the ultimate nerd growing up. Like all I wanted to do is spend time on the computer playing like Secret Agent Barbie on my CP back when I had a desktop computer. Then it was Club Penguin, then it was Webkins, then it was The Sims. Now it's like, like that narrative, even though I don't necessarily think of myself as a gamer, I am like people spend time playing with one another online and that's gaming. And so I think play to earn gaming is going to be really interesting. Like what is the next Axie Infinity or Zed run look like? How are they thinking about accessibility to multiple people versus just those that can afford NFTs? Uh, so I think that's certainly an interesting area. Um, and again, I think like it, it really does tie, like a lot of these themes are coinciding, right? Like how are you empowering people to create their own NFT projects that can perpetuate more utility in the metaverse? Um, so those are a few, but it's so difficult to unpack. Like, I think it's difficult to unpack the metaverse holistically in any given period of time. I could talk about this for hours. I think unpacking Web3 as a whole 
is like an entirely different beast because the two are intertwined, but they're also separate. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, that's how I would think about it. Those are some areas that I'm tackling personally. Look, it's been fun having you on the show. Really appreciate the, um, the voice of Gen Z for, um, people who want to follow you or reach out to you. Could you spell out the best way to do that? Sure. Yeah. So Twitter is best. It's at Megan Loist, M-E-A-G-A-N-L-O-Y-S-T. Uh, so that's the best way to reach me. And I tweet a lot about the metaverse. My metaverse 101 article is pinned on my profile. And then uh, also, if you're starting a business, you're a founder, just my email is great too. So it's Megan, M-E-A-G-A-N, at LairHeppo.com, uh, which I think I also have somewhere in my profile, but um, I'm sure you could probably link it or something. Uh, but but yeah, that's the best way to reach me, reach me, email, Twitter, but Twitter is where I do the most. I do post some TikToks every now and then about Metaverse stuff, but um, you know that is that is we're still in the very early innings of that. Great. Thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for having me.